0: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Health and Safety Matters podcast. My name is Mark Sennett. I'm the CEO of Western Business Media, which is the publisher of Health and Safety Matters. Delighted this podcast is once again sponsored by the Health and Safety event. And if you don't know, the Health and Safety event takes place on the 7th to the 9th of September 2021 at the NEC in Birmingham. It's completely free to attend this great event and it's also co located alongside the Fire Safety event, the Facilities event, the Security event, the National Cyber Security Show, and for the first time ever, the Emergency Services Show. So all you need to do is register once and you get access to all of these great events. There's over 54,000 square metres the 900 exhibitors and gosh there's hundreds of hours of educational content and I'll go over a little bit more later in the podcast but as I said it's completely free to attend and you'll get CPD for attending any of the seminar sessions so if you would like to attend the event all you need to do is register for free via www.healthandsafetyevent.com that's healthandsafetyevent.com so as always we start off with the news on this edition of the health and safety matters podcast and um, you know, you don't just need to wait till now to get the news. If you go to our website, which is hsmsearch.com, you can see all the latest news, prosecutions, products and services in the sector. You can sign up to our twice a week in newsletter, along with 54,000 others of your industry colleagues. It's completely free. We send it out twice a week. We've got a huge back archive of webinars that you can access for free and get CPD certificates for. So all you need to do for that is go to hsmsearch.com and click on the webinars tab to look at what's upcoming and what's in the past so you can watch on demand for free. Or, of course, if you want to get a copy of the magazine, we'd love you to. And again, you can register to get a copy of the magazine in print or digital form for free at hsmsearch.com. Dot com. So as I said, we always start off with the news on this podcast, and it's that time of year again where we get the annual health and safety executive releasing of the annual workplace fatality figures. So provisional data has been released by the HSE, and it shows a total of 142 workers were killed at work in Great Britain in 2020 straight to 2021, which is an increase in 29 from the previous year, the number of deaths in 2019 to 2020 was 113 was um, low compared to other recent years so in statistical terms the number of fatalities has remained broadly level over recent years the average number of workers killed at work over the last five years is 136 so that's per year obviously And, and obviously the latest statistics are showing 142 so it's about on a par but of course it has gone up but over the last 20 years there's been a long-term reduction in the number of workplace fatalities which has demonstrated that Great Britain is one of the safest places to work in the UK Uh, sorry in the world I should say and that's because of the great work people like you do but these figures which have been released by the HSE relate to workplace incidents they don't include deaths arising from occupational exposure to diseases including COVID-19 so the three most common causes of fatal injuries continue to be fall from height which is 35 fatalities being struck by a moving vehicle which is 25 fatalities and being struck by a moving object 17 and this accounts accumulatively for more than half of the 142 fatalities that we're talking about today These figures also continue to highlight the risk to older workers with around 30% of fatal injuries in 2020-21 involving workers aged 60 or over, even though such workers only make up about 11% of the UK workforce. In addition, members of the public continue to be killed in connection with work-related incidents. In 2020 2021, 60 members of the public were killed as a result of a work-related incident. So... Talking about occupational illness, the figures for mesothelioma, which is a cancer contracted through past exposure to asbestos and is one of the few work-related diseases where deaths can be counted directly, now show 2,369 people died in Great Britain in 2019. This is a 7% lower than the average of 2,540 deaths over the previous seven years. Current mesothelioma deaths largely reflect occupational asbestos exposures that occurred before the 1980s, the figure for 2019 is consistent with the projections that a reduction in the total annual deaths would start to become apparent by about this point. However, it's still not certain how quickly these deaths would decline. So, a fuller assessment of work related ill health and injuries and during the HSE's Full range of data resources we provide as part of the HSE's annual statistics, which is due to be released on the 16th of December this year. So, if we talk about this, this is always something we cover every year on the podcast, every year in the Health and Society Matters magazine itself. The positives to take out of this, and there is no positive in terms of anyone losing their life at work. And I said many times before, everyone has a right to return from home alive, well, and safe. But if you try and take a positive out of these statistics, it is that we've seen a huge decreasing trend in workplace fatalities over the last couple of decades, and specifically in recent years. Now, yes, and this is not good news, it is statistically a small increase we can say it's about the same and it is about the same you know 142 compared to 136 but it's still an increase and that's still not okay no death as I've just said is okay but when you compare it to the rest of the world statistics Great Britain continues to be one of the safest places to work in the world and as I said right at the start of this particular news item that is in large part down to the great work that you guys who are listening do, that are responsible for health and safety. So we can all be deeply saddened by there being any fatalities, but, you know, it's 142 this year, which is roughly on a par. But I guess the headline figure is it is up an increase of 29 people from the previous year. So talking about health and safety and talking about, you know, raising standards, awareness and keeping up to date with the latest trends, guidance, etc., You know know this podcast is sponsored by the Health and Safety event, and I put on the content on behalf of HSM for one of the key theatres there, which is the Knowledge Exchange. So on the 7th and 9th of September, the Health and Safety event is finally taking place. We can finally all get back together. A little bit more of the norm of going to an industry event with restrictions now lifted. It's really happening. It's meant to happen in April last year, then September last year, then April this year. And now it is actually happening. 7th to 9th of September 2021 at the NEC in Birmingham. Really can't wait to be there. It is now the biggest health and safety exhibition and the fastest growing in the UK. It you know it, It's based, as I said, at the NEC in Birmingham. It's co-located with the Fire Safety event, the Facility event, the Security event, the National Cyber Security Show and the Emergency Services Show. You know, 19 have told us that they've had nearly 30,000 registrants already for this event. So it should be the biggest and best and busiest they've ever had. But I want to talk about some of the reasons to go. I'm going to be there for the duration, as you'd expect, because I've putting on some of the content there. And HSM is the lead media partner for the event. And, And I really hope you guys can come. And I'd love it if you can come to the Knowledge Exchange, you know, Seek me out, tell me what you like about the magazine or the podcast, what you don't like, how we can improve, or come to the Health and Safety Matters stand, which is part of the British Safety Industry Federation stand. That is something that you know I would be really keen to hear your feedback, other topics we cover in the magazine or on the podcast. Please do come and see us. But the event is more than just the latest products and services as part of a huge exhibition. It's about knowledge sharing. It's about networking. And the theatre that I put on there, the Knowledge Exchange... That's very different than any theatre that you would see in any other exhibition. It has an agenda. You know, it has multiple sessions, which I'll highlight in a minute. But there's no PowerPoint presentations here. It is a panel of industry experts talking about a topic. So we'll take, for example, day one, 7 September. The first session is the importance of respiratory protection. And on that panel is Alan Murray from the BSIF. Adam Bradley from Moldex, Matthew Judson from JSP, and Brian Lovell from Full Support Group. No PowerPoints, no pictures, nothing like that. Just a full theatre of where you as the audience can ask your questions on this topic. You know, they'll all do a little bit of introductory about the topic themselves, but really it's a half an hour session for you to ask as much questions on the topic that it's discussing in that particular session is the importance of respiratory protection you'll get cpd certificate for attending and if you look at what else is on in that theater you've got riddle and a responsible person promoting health and well-being at work what to choose don't be confused use the right equipment when working at height that's being put on by the access industry forum now if you go on to day two which is the 8th of september you've got mitigating the risk of mental ill health you've got Dealing with the pandemic, getting your business back to normal. Health implications of asbestos, particularly pertinent considering the first news story where we talked about mesothelioma. And you've also got protecting home workers as a session that day. And on the final day in the HSM knowledge Exchange, you've got UKCA mark and what it means for PPE. Again, couldn't be much more topical than that. Managing noise, do your controls measure up future of health and safety regulation and that's a really interesting uh session alan murray you part of that from bsif laura white from pinsent masons and we also got simon edmund who's a health and safety consultant for south laws as part of that and then we have also got a session on managing psychological health and work and introducing the new iso 45003 psychological health and safety at work training course which is um being led by bsi so it really is an interesting theatre to go to because it's your chance to ask questions of industry experts. It's a complete Q&A. You set the agenda. It's a pretty novel approach to to different things. But, but there's many, many more things on than just that. You've got the British Safety Council Conference Theatre. So, you know, that will give the latest updates and developments on health and safety management. You've also got the machinery safety theatre. So that'll offer expert advice and guidance on safe logistics and machinery safety. You've got the lone worker theatre. I think that pretty much says what it says on the t- does what it says on the tin. I should say in there, which is really focusing on lone worker and the key issues, whether it be well being, security, um, etc. You've got the new driver safety zone, which I will come back to in a moment, which is for driving for better business in partnership with them. You've got a professional development zone with HSE recruitment. And that'll have live interviews, training presentations, which can help propel your career um, to the next level. And there's the new Health and Safety Executive Connect Theatre. The HSE themselves are actually delivering a really detailed seminar programme covering all the latest policy developments and solutions to help you run your business safely. So there's a huge amount of things on. It's completely free to attend. You know, I really hope that I get to see as many of you there as possible. If you want to register, I said it's free to do so just go to healthandsafetyevent.com but that actually leads us nicely into our first guest on the podcast today and this links because actually the person that we're interviewing works for Driving for Better Business and as I said, Driving for Better Business will be doing the new driver's safety zone at the Health and Safety event. So I actually sat down with Simon Turner from Driving for Better Business and he talks us about what the Driver Safety Zone hopes to offer you guys, but actually gives us an exclusive that the HSC has updated its guidance um, for safer driving and um, for health and safety related to driving at work. And that's going to be exclusively revealed at the health and safety event. So we talk all about um, driving for workiness I think It's a really interesting take that Simon gives us. So I sat down with Simon earlier and here's what he had to say. Hi, Simon. Thanks for joining us. How are you? i
1: uh, doing really well, Mark. Thank you for uh, having me on the show.
0: Now, I don't want to date you in the sector, but we were talking off air about different roles you've had and how long you've been in here. But we're here to talk today about driving for better business. So could you tell us a bit more about it for those that aren't familiar?
1: Uh, yes, yeah, certainly. So, uh, Driving for Better Business has been around since 2007, and it was born out of some original research that the government did in the early 2000s when there were, I think, if I think back, there were about 3,000 fatalities every year on the roads. And even then, the government knew that approximately a third of those involved someone who was driving for work at the time. So, They commissioned some research from a group called the Motorists' Forum to see how they could best engage employers and get them to improve uh, the situation. And the research that came back said the way to do this is to focus around the business benefits that come from better management of drivers and vehicles i think uh, you know it was a lot more common at the time for road safety to be much further down uh, senior management's uh, to-do list uh, road road safety was a little way uh, down there so the way to do it was to share examples of good practice and the business benefits that came from that now Highways England took over the campaign in 2015 and have been fully funding it since. they're basically giving us the money to, to do a proper marketing and awareness campaign to really get the message out to businesses. But what I've seen recently over the last few years, I think, is a much stronger swing back towards the safety and the well-being of drivers. Yes, the business message is important, but I, I think the safety and the well-being message is, is much higher up the, the board's agenda than it, than it was when we first started, which is a good thing.
0: It's certainly something in my business that I take seriously. We're on the road a lot myself. I probably do forty thousand work miles a year. It's a well, I did pre-pandemic. I would say Simon, and yeah. we've got sales staff and editors that are always out on the road. And it definitely is on the agenda. It's a natural worry because it's not just yourself you have to worry about. It's 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 others that that could cause incidents. It's it's the single biggest concern I have apart from. Mental health and well being as an employer, if I'm honest, but many safety professionals say that managing road risks is in their top three concerns, which pretty much just ratifies what I just said Mm. from my perspective. Why do you think this is so important?
1: Um, Well, I'm the same. Lots of miles pre-pandemic, probably not quite as many as you, maybe twenty, thirty thousand a year. But I think people. Like me and you possibly are doing quite a bit less miles uh, at, at the moment, but what we have seen is a bigger increase in commercial vehicle traffic and that's obviously that a lot of that is is home delivery um, so there's a, a, a very large amount of vans and trucks on the roads at the moment but the, one of the reasons it's so important to uh, um, safety professionals is when you consider the actual odds of being involved in an injury collision, which can be quite high compared to what you might think. And I, I use the example of the National Lottery. Now, the the odds of winning the jackpot on the National Lottery are one in 45 million, according to their website. Um, and yet millions of people every week sit at home thinking it might be them. Um, whereas if you look at someone who's driving for work, we've got about 20 million vehicles used for work in some form, when you include what we call the grey fleet, employees who use their own cars. And the Department for Transport statistics show that there's about 40,000 injury collisions every year. So that the odds of that then for one of your drivers is one in 500 that they will be involved in a, an injury collision each year. So statistically, if you have 500 drivers, it's Pretty much a certainty, one will be involved in a uh, an injury collision during the year, and yet we all seem to sit at home thinking we're invincible, and it and it won't be us. Um, so the odds are quite staggering, but the real reason is that most prosecutions uh, that would relate to uh, a failure of of duty of care relating to dry, uh, driving for work is that those prosecu- prosecutions are still done under the health and safety at work act either a, a breach of section 2 or 3 depending on on what the problem was now many businesses would have a fleet manager who would look after the vehicles they might look after the drivers as well if there's a safety manager in the business That's the person who's going to carry the camp because they're the person who the investigating authorities can point at and say, well, you know what the Health and Safety at Work Act means. In your business, you should have been looking at that and making sure the procedures and the policies were correct and they were all uh, complied with and monitored and everything was done as it should be. So, if there's a safety manager in the business, a safety professional, that person would likely... Uh, be the one fingers were pointed at first because they should have known what was needed I
0: mean it's a sad reality those, those statistics you said are you know just shocking that you know one in 500 chance of having a uh, an accident in a vehicle devoted to work yeah is, is, is staggering and I bet you there's not many people listening to this podcast that don't know someone or haven't themselves been involved in a uh, road traffic accident so it, it's a very real threat but you're very proactive on this front, Simon. Now, as you know, Health and Safety Matters has partnered with a health and safety event which takes place at the NEC in Birmingham on the 7th to 9th of September. Now, we put on the content for the Knowledge Exchange there, but we're not anyone that's partnered with them. So have you. And you're actually um, hosting something called the Driver Safety Zone at this year's health and safety event, aren't you? Can Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about what visitors that go to that show will be able to expect and enjoy from your area?
1: Yeah, I've been to this kind of event many times over the last 10 years. And and one of the things I've always thought with with my line of work is quite often there are uh, speakers giving really good talks around what's needed and there'll be some really good suppliers dotted around the hall. Um, And what we've tried to do with the driver safety zone is to bring all that together. So we've got... um, some of the country's leading uh, th- uh, experts around various aspects of driver risk management, whether that be fatigue or developing policy, driver well being, safety culture, all of that. We've got some of the, uh, the leading suppliers who can help safety professionals with some of those things, um, and some of the best thought leaders as well, some of the best thinkers around how to deal with these issues and how to engage staff uh, at all levels within the business. Because it's not just about engaging the drivers, you've got to manage upwards with the board and the, and the senior leadership team as well, so that they lead by example and don't undermine any of the policies that you put together. So... Uh, Aside from the exhibitors, we've got our own theatre where we're going to be putting some really vital content in around driving for work uh, for safety managers. The centrepiece of which is going to be an announcement jointly from us and the health and safety executive around revised guidance. So it's new guidance around how employers need to manage um, staff who drive or ride for work so the, the existing guidance is kind of like the bible in, a, in our sector uh, it's historically been a, a fairly short PDF with um, sort of a, a short uh, succinct pricing on what employers should be doing. But st- that was last revised in 2014, I think. And stuff's moved on from there. We've got this in- massive increase in the commercial vehicle fleet. We've got a big increase in the gig economy as well. Uh, and so the guidance has been revised to be far more comprehensive and gives much better um idea of what exactly it is companies need to be doing to manage that in line with current guidance and so the content we're going to put on in the theatre which will be three days uh, of these experts i've spoken about will be talking through what that guidance is what it means for your business in practice and really how you can implement that in your business to ensure that you're operating compliantly.
0: Yeah, I'm one of the few people tell so they can remember that revised guidance. Uh, I was still covering this sector back in 2014, but you've mentioned this new Health and Safety active guidance. What's changed, Simon? Um,
1: I. I... With the previous guidance, there were there were a lot of questions around uh, – there was a broad thrust of what you should be doing, but you really rely on that one line in the Health and Safety at Work Act that says you need to do what's reasonably practicable. So there's there's more detailed guidance in it around the specific actions. There's more guidance around tailoring it to what we know are specific problems or challenges for risk managers that, that increase the, the risk of driver safety. Um, As I said, there's there's more stuff around the the gig economy and commercial vehicles. Um, One of the things we're trying to tailor this to now, though, is what we're seeing as an increased drive to use the power of public procurement to raise standards across industries. Now, Driving for Better Business is a Highways England programme, and we've already put this in place with the highways construction industry, if you like. So if you want to work... Uh, on a Highways England project, you now have to prove that you manage your uh, work-related road risk to an appropriate standard. And that's at the very minimum, in line with the Health and Safety Executive's guidance on you know, the legal minimum to, uh, to, to manage that risk. Now, we're also working with the Rail Safety Standards Board to drive standards across the whole rail sector. And we're about to launch a programme in September, which will do that. And very similar to what we've done in the highways sector, if you want to work at any level within the rail sector, you're going to have to commit to manage your work-related road safety and demonstrate that you're doing it. And the third sort of strand of that, which we have I've just done a presentation to all the businesses who are registered with the Crown Commercial Service, who provide services to the public sector, and that's now going the same way. So you're going to have to demonstrate that you're managing your road risk to a legally compliant standard. So I think increasingly um, over the coming years, businesses are going to find it Difficult to win work in many instances, new work, because they're in the same way many of us now have to provide an an anti bribery policy or a modern slavery policy to get on a supplier list. It's going to be the same with managing road risk. If you can't demonstrate you do it well, you're not going to get on the supplier list. So it's really important that businesses take account of this new guidance. So,
0: one of the things I wanted to ask you just before we finish off is what other support does Driving for Better Business offer to safety professionals?
1: Um, Well, the first thing I'd like to say is we don't sell anything. So, we don't provide consultancy. We don't try and uh, sell you any services or, or anything like that. What Driving for Better Business is a fully funded campaign by Highways England. And what we use that money for, in part, is to create some really useful tools and resources for businesses to use in managing their driver risk. And we've also Created a bank of third-party resources that you can use as well. So the the main tools we've created is firstly a benchmarking tool. This is it's a uh, an online tool. You can put in some of your sort of key metrics and determine whether your accident ratios or your costs or whatever are uh, on a par with the user average or good practice that might highlight for instance that there's some work to do you could improve uh, in relation to to others so we've then got an online gap analysis tool Uh, two levels, one a fairly simple one, and then one that allows you to drill down much deeper into the management processes. So that will show you where the specific gaps are that you can improve um, and use those to raise your benchmarking scores. And if you do find any gaps in that, the uh, the report that you get out of it will pre-filter our resources section. So, let's for, say, for instance, you've got a gap around managing driver fatigue. You can click a button and it will give you all the resources we have on our website for to help you manage driver fatigue, including a load of resources that you can actually share with your drivers. Because I think that's one of the key things many businesses fall down on. They don't have the expertise or the resources to create the communication that's necessary to engage the drivers. And so we put a lot of effort into creating some resources that are all free to access and download uh, videos, PDFs, web pages, all sorts of information that you can share with your drivers. So
0: obviously, if everyone wants to come and meet you guys the driver safety zone will take place at the health and safety event which is at the nec in birmingham on the 7th to the 9th of september this year that's 2021 and as people listening to this way into the future you can register for free to attend that event and you can get access to those sessions for free and all you need to do is go to www.healthandsafetyevent.com that's www.healthandsafetyevent.com and you can get your free pass so you can sit in on the driver's safety zone and much more but Simon before you go if people want to find out more about driving for better business what's the easiest way that they can do so
1: um yeah I mean first I'd say we'd love to see as many of you as possible at the health and safety show that's going to be the first chance you're going to get to hear the the health and safety executives new guidance and we'll talk you all through it we're going to have some uh, unique resources that we're going to give away to delegates on the on the on the day so if you come and see us on that day you'll get some other really useful resources but aside from that go to drivingforbetterbusiness.com, uh, and all you got to do sign up and you'll be able to access all the radio resources and the case studies of good practice and all those online tools for free.
0: Well Simon thanks for talking us through it sounds like you've got a lot of work uh, on your plate and lots of good stuff to get out of there with a the new guidance so looking forward to seeing you at the health and safety event and thanks for joining us today
1: Thanks Mark really appreciate it
0: So, as always, we now return to the news. And like I said at the start of the podcast, you don't have to wait for this podcast to see the latest health and safety news. You can go to our website at any time, which is hsmsearch.com. And you can see all the latest news, prosecutions, products, and services. You can sign up to receive our twice-weekly newsletter for free if you so wish. But this is another health and safety executive statistics that I wanted to share with you so the hsc has published a report detailing that agriculture has the worst rate of fatal injuries of all major industrial sectors around 20 times higher than the average five-year annual rate across all industries so provisional figures from the 1st of april 2020 until the 31st of march 2021 show 41 people were killed in agriculture related activities almost doubled the number of deaths in the previous year, which was 23. So the report, which is titled Fatal Injuries in Agriculture, Forestry and Fishing in Great Britain 2020-2021, has been published to coincide with Farm Safety Week, which took place on the 19th to the 23rd of July. So while the number of people killed fluctuates each year, The five most common causes of fatal injury over the last year remains the same. And, And we touched on this in our first news story today. So, and they are being struck by moving vehicles, killed by an animal, struck by an object, falling from height and contact with moving machinery. So transport related incidents such as overturning vehicles or being struck by moving vehicles responsible for more deaths than any other cause in relation to farm fatalities. Unfortunately, again, older workers seem to be most at risk, with more than half the workers killed aged 60 or above. So when comparing older and younger age groups, the fatal fatal injury rate is more than four times higher for 65s and over compared to the 16 to 24 age group. The youngest person killed was a two-year-old child who died after being overcome by slurry fumes. So the full report and more information on... Working Safety in Agriculture is available on the HSE's website, please do visit that. Um, And Farm Safety Week, if you want to find out more information about that, really shines a light on safety in the sector and is led by the Farm Safety Foundation. So if we just come back to these statistics for a minute. So the headlines here are 41 people were killed in agriculture-related activities. Compared to twenty three the previous year, so as you can see, the theme today is very much the release of the HSE statistics because they are vitally important. Now, I did say at the start of this podcast that you know we have got lowest fatalities than other countries across the world related to you know workplace injuries and fatalities, but you know the farming sector continues to have a real problem here, uh, taking up the lion's share of the fatalities and you know we can say it's not a huge number of people but like i said at the start of this any is unacceptable any fatality is unacceptable and it's it's positive that the rate on average has continued to drop but that is a substantial increase it's nearly double it's nearly double what it was the previous year and it's just really really sad to see and 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 when you look at the other thing that I didn't touch on purposely in the first news story we did today, we talked about over 60s being more at risk. That 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 is equally troubling. You know, it really doesn't, you know, not that it matters of the age of someone. A tragedy is a tragedy, but it's something that we have to be extremely conscious of, of protecting more elderly or potentially more vulnerable workers and it, it's something that i know that farm safety week and the farm safety foundation is keen to sh- shed a light on and is keen to focus on to try and uh, see an improvement in those statistics so yeah pretty pretty somber news story again there you know but when, when you look at the headline figure of it the farming and agricultural sector the fatalities related to it in the UK are around 20 times higher than the average five-year annual rate across any other sector and that's something that continues to need to be tackled and I know the HSE are doing an excellent job of raising awareness about this as well. So yeah it's, it's sad statistics it's not no positives can be taken out of that at all. The the only comfort that we can have right from any of these statistics is that on average they are lower than than what they used to be, but that's you know scant consolation, I guess. So to move on to the final thing I want to talk about today before we bring in our our second guest, I want to talk to you about something new that we're doing at HSM. I want to talk to you about Health and Safety Matters Live, which is a digital conference, and it takes place on the thirteenth of October. It's completely free to attend, and. It's a lot different than the webinars that you're all very familiar with us doing. You know, this is a proper six, seven hour agenda full of really keynote industry speakers and you get CPD for the entire day, not just for an hour session. But there's more to it than that. There's real networking opportunities in there. So if you register for free to attend this event, you can network via either video calls or direct messages with the speakers, all the other delegates and the sponsors that are there. The sponsors, who are taking part of this will also have a special area where you can download really useful um, resources, white papers, watch videos that they put up there as well. So there's a lot of giveaways educationally for you as well to take away from, but the networking will be a key aspect. It is completely live, it has seven hours of content here, you'll be able to ask questions direct to the speakers as part of the live seminars. And, of course, you can network with them, as I said, throughout the day anyway, and you'll be able to watch it on demand. But it's, it's the biggest conference that we've ever done. And when I tell you now who's on the agenda, I think you'll see just how well the industry's backed this, which is very wide and broad, the agenda. So we've got Alan Murray from the British Safety Industry Federation. He'll be talking about ensuring your PPE performs to claims and complies with applicable regulations. That's a key topic. We've got a session also on how to engage senior management in your safety software project. We've got a session on HAVA's exposure from Reactech. So HAVA's exposure, better to be approximately right than exactly wrong. We've got a session from Cirrus, which is on worker noise exposure, what tools are available for accurate worker measurement. We've also got a session focusing on safety footwear from Delta Plus, and that's the importance of choosing suitable and compliant safety footwear. We've also got a session from Julian Taylor at She Software. Is it time to stop managing history? So this will be leading and lagging indicators together have a role in establishing a successful health and safety program. So this session will primarily focus on identifying the importance of reevaluating the way you report incidents and understanding the importance of changing the mindset of your people to deliver the real value of proactive indicators. Then we've got a session for the British Occupational Hygiene Society, and that is health protection in a post-Brexit world. That's by their CEO, Kevin Brampton. We've also got Jigna Patel, um, who um, is for the British Safety Council. And that's on being well together, a strategic approach to well-being. We've also got a session from the IOSH president-elect Louise Hosking on human capital and sustainability reconnecting with sustainability. We have also got a session from Matt Bertels from the Health and Safety Executive on protecting workers from the risks of musculoskeletal disorders. We've also got a session from Matt Powell-Howard of NEBOSH which is gonna be on good practice and pitfalls in assessing risks. And there is also uh, another session which is on how to create a suitable and compliant evacuation policy from Safety Chair. So, I mean, you've got just about everything you could talk about. You've got um, occupational uh, hygiene sessions, you've got health and wellbeing sessions, you've got evacuation policy sessions, you've got PPE sessions, sustainability sessions, um you've got um working from home and risks of musculoskeletal disorders. You've got um assessing risks, my word, you know, there's there's so much on offer here. Um HAVS, noise exposure, um safety software, you name it, we've got it covered and you know, it it's something I really hope you guys will all attend. As I said, it's completely free to do so. It takes place on the thirteenth of October. 2021 you know if you want me to be precise it kicks off at nine in the morning and it is a full day and it goes all the way on till four o'clock be hosted by hsm's editor kelly rose and if you want to register attend for free please do so um it's www.hsmlive.co.uk so hsmlive.co.uk you can also get you on the main navigation from the hsm website so really, really hope you guys can join us. It's something very different for us, and and I think it's we've purposely tried to put on as broad a content as possible. So yeah, I hope that you you will join us on that day. So really now it's time to introduce our second guest and and it's an industry veteran in fact that I've got as our second and final guest this time. I'm joined by Scott Gaddis who's the Vice President and Global Practice Leader for Safety and Health at Intellects Technologies Inc. So Scott joined us all the way from the United States and you know we really had an interesting chat not just about his role but also about um, incident reporting and much wider topics as well so hopefully you'll enjoy this and if you want any future guests to come on or any questions for future guests please use the hashtag hsm podcast on social media so i sat down with scott and here's what he had to say Scott, thank you so much for joining us today. I know you're joining us all the way from Kentucky in the United States. So, the wonders that technology that brings us together for this podcast. How are you today?
2: Yeah, wonderful, Mark. It's, it's really glad to be. I'm really glad to be here with you.
0: Well, this would be, you know, from my point of view, a really interesting conversation. We work with Intellects on a number of things, and this seems like a really good opportunity to talk to you because you've been in the sector a long time. Not that I want to age you or date you, Scott, but <laughs> yeah. um, so. The first question I had for you is, as a safety and health professional for more than 30 years, you left a manufacturer and joined an EHSQ technology company. What interested you enough to make such a career change?
2: Yeah, I, I actually didn't know I was looking for a career change, so I uh, I had. I, I eclipsed 30 years in manufacturing and had led a uh, a couple of blue-chip organizations uh, here in the States, but had a global presence so most of my career has been leading a program, but I think you know when I, when I got the call from Intellex, there, you know Intellex was at an inflection point where they were recognizing that simply building EHSQ software was not enough to uh, to meet consumer need. Uh, there was a lot of information that was you know going from paper to digital collection over the uh, the last couple of decades. But we started looking at information much differently within Intellect. So for me, I mean, I, I think uh, the reason that I did, I, I know that it is, it was the chance to coach and mentor for how practitioners could use software. And, uh, you know, I, I certainly do a lot of consulting with the intellects teams, but I think more than that, I provide context of value uh, that that you only get from representing or I think are in user edge, which is the customer. Why a product change is necessary or the value for a new uh, app uh, being developed is is really important. So I think that those are the main reasons. It was the chance to speak on behalf of the EHSQ practitioners to a software company that had tremendous value for, for meeting customer desire.
0: I mean, the, the role of safety and health practitioners is ever evolving and data is right at the key of it. And it's interesting, Scott, because digitalization of information, information reporting is becoming such a key, important part to the health and safety sector. So I do want to touch on this with you. Mm-hmm. So how has digitising information helped organisations make better decisions, in your opinion?
2: Yeah. So if you remember how we started the conversation, I began over 30 years ago. Right. So, uh, So the use of technology has simply created an opportunity to get better at at understanding the management system. And and I'm someone that really prides himself in understanding what robustness within the management system looks like and understanding what parts of the management system need to be measured, how to use that information to build better robustness within the process. And maybe to explain that, I I think a core part of what a EHSQ professional to do is to collect it's to analyze it's to report data so that we can show uh, control of the EHS uh, system and then to understand you know when to sustain it or how to push that process forward I think it's one thing to collect information but it's another thing to go deeper to analyze you know that data and I, I think it, 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 I do know this you know one of the things that I've always prided myself in is being able to Understand what I call descriptive analytics. You know, what is hindsight? What's happened within the management system that really needs to have my uh, my attention? You know, so I'm looking backward at, at past data, looking at dashboards to try to understand it. And that next step for a practitioner is what we call diagnostic analytics. You know, start to start gain insight. Why did this happen within the system? And you know, many times I've tried to explain this through injury or illness. You know, what has happened now? Why did that happen? And we many times refer to that as as root cause. And this type of diagnosis, I think, is really important to analyze, you know, the main causes of the problem that you're trying to fix. And then I think, you know, the third thing to, to make this point is where we're heading now, uh, not only in technology, but also, you know, we're starting to see it uh, bump into how EHSQ professionals do their job. And that next step is to predict what is going to happen, or better said, you know, what I, how I like to think about it is forecasting the events that are likely to happen in the future. And I, I think it's a little bit different when you think about uh, pr- uh, predictive uh, preventive maintenance, for example, we usually know what the time of failure is on a bearing but we don't know what the meantime failure is of a human being, right? So it's a very fluid subject to try to figure out. So what i tried to cast this at as I've had these types of discussions is forecasting the type of events that are likely to happen. And we do that through information. The analysis really requires us to, to, to put a lot of, of people power and as well as technology through statistical modeling, a lot of parameters to. Think about what could happen, right, and what very likely is to happen because of what the management system is telling us.
0: So, before I go on with a few other questions that I've got for you, not everybody that's listening today, and all of the audience of health and safety matters, wouldn't necessarily be familiar with intellects. Can you just tell us a bit more about what the organisation does and, and what it offers?
2: Yeah, so we are an EHSQ a software technology uh, company. Uh, we have a platform that uh, I often refer to as the management system platform for re- re- reporting everything from internet management data, you know, when, when bad things happen right inside of the management system, we want to try to understand that and we want to try to understand the immediate causes of why things happen and then the, the root causes so we can can make sustainable changes. Outside of that, you know, we also have applications for inspections, for auditing, for risk control, for quality, um, you know, so, so a lot of things, but everything... That what what I like to think it's my dashboard as a practitioner for using data effectively to build robustness in the management process.
0: So, talking about that platform, there's mm-hmm. obviously a lot of data that gets entered into the Intellects platform every day. Are there any interesting areas that have surprised you, but actually might be beneficial to share with our audience?
2: Yeah, I, it was a curious project that I worked on when I, you know, I joined Intellects about three years ago, and. Uh, we worked on a project that it's now it's packaged as a product offering called the safety engagement score. And as you can imagine, I mean, we have well over a thousand large clients um, in, our, uh, in our company. We have thousands, if not millions, of bits of information that are coming in and out of our platform every single day. So we started looking at that data. You know, we started we sanitized, you know, the data the best we could to just remove things that would identify the client, but we started looking at data behind the curtain, so to speak, of our best performing clients and, and meaning those clients that were reporting fewer injury and illnesses. And we found an interesting correlation of their KPIs that they were pursuing and the outputs in regard to how many people were becoming injured or ill as a result of it. So maybe for the you know discussion, that we're having today, we began to look at the data in our systems and how clients were using it. And what we found was that the more engagement, uh, the more participation, if, if that's an easier term to understand, they achieved, uh, their trailing indicator performance dramatically improved. And they were experiencing reductions in their occupational incident rates, uh, how many of those incidents were lost time, and then of course, uh, what the workplace medical costs were. So. Uh, I I think the amazing part for me was as I was looking at what some of our clients were pursuing, they were very uh, naturally occurring normal things that I would find almost in in any safety management system. So, you know, things like safety meetings, am I doing pre-shift, am I doing post-shift meetings, incident investigations, do I follow through with root cause analysis, how well do I audit, how well do I, uh, record observations and hazards? Am I doing a good training you know, uh, program? Uh, do I complete the things that I've identified as a Kappa or a corrective action that's necessary? Am I communicating properly with the workforce? And finally, am I recognizing uh, participation in the system. And then we kind of rolled that all up together in a, in a single ordinal score that we call it. And we gave it uh, a moniker called the safety engagement score, which basically kind of gives you a needle gauge of how well your process is running. And, and that was a tremendous advantage for me as a safety and health professional to be able to look at a dashboard and just get a glimpse of how well my process is working today. So it's it's a real advantage for me. But it was a project maybe that started with a question but certainly has ended with
0: a product for us well it certainly makes it interesting if you need to show management about performance of health and safety it makes that so much simpler for them to be able to show performance um good or bad i guess in that situation Scott. absolutely yes but if we talk on on this topic so we hear a lot about connected work in your opinion has ehs embraced that challenge yet and are there examples that you could share on it with us yeah, I, I think what we see today
2: and what we will see at the end of the decade will be vastly different. Um, I think as we discussed, you know, this area with other EHS colleagues, you know, one of the, the roles that I have is to reach out to colleagues, reach out to peers, and, and even some of our clients. I'm not sure that I would use the word embrace, but I would say that there is a tremendous amount of interest. And how we will use technology to advance EHS control. So, you know, in the spirit of of artificial intelligence, AI, where I see technology making most of the decision, I think today, you know, I think EHS is still at a step before that. And we're using technology to help better decision making. You know, for example, um, you know, I, I just noticed a, a vendor that's coming out with a line of eyewear. You know, that projects inspection checklist uh, to the user for preventive maintenance. You know, they they'll get a checklist, they'll get an SOP of how to do the uh, the job correctly. You know, that is really an intriguing piece of technology that's going to advance EHS and uh, and and allow for risk control, you know, in the work environment. There's of course wearable belts and vest to record environmental conditions, exoskeletons to assist the body, you know, for for some of their tasks that require bending and lifting. Uh, Some of the things that I have personally uh, been involved with is the use of drones, you know, doing visual monitoring and risky operations. So I can connect a worker visually, but I can remove that worker you know, from the possible danger of doing the activity. And then one that we're very familiar with at Intellects is that you know, uh, about 18 months ago, we were acquired by a company uh, called Industrial Scientific. You know, they're best known for gas monitoring equipment, and we've been working on connecting the uh, Intellects platform to the hardware of Industrial Scientific for doing connected gas monitoring. And you know, when we combine those two together, you know, now we can monitor work situations, we can monitor gas alarms, loan worker alarms, panic alarms. All of this is, is really beneficial for the practitioner in getting to a decision really, really quickly. So pinpointing safety hazards in real time is a is a game changer you know for the professional so do i think that we're embracing it today i don't think we're quite there but we are certainly really really interested in what the future holds and i think in the next decade you're going to see a lot of change you know in this particular category of interest
0: yeah, I completely agree with you. It hasn't always been the fastest moving sector in the world of embracing technology, but the health and safety sector definitely is more these days. And it's interesting you talk about drones. I know NHS hospital trusts over here that have used drones to eliminate work at height, just the way that you said. It does eliminate the risk if you can send a drone and a camera up there to, to look um, yes. at things that need repairing rather than send a person up there. So, yeah, I, I've seen that too. I'd, I'd agree with you on that, Scott. So last couple of questions I had for you. So let's talk about intellects. What's on the horizon for intellects in the near future? I know that you're obviously focused on your main aim is making workplaces safer. So Mm -hmm. how are you looking forward to doing that? What's next? What's on the horizon for you, Scott? Yeah, well, I've already uh, maybe broached this subject. But where we've been
2: is is describing how things have happened, doing diagnostics, right, to... uh, to get a little bit more involved in in root cause of how things have happened and then getting a bit more predictive in what we expect to happen. I think going forward for intellects, the real power of the data that we see and where we are positioning intellects is to provide a lot more value as we expand toward things like operational risk and ESG, you know, environmental, social, and, and governance and, we're going to do that through this idea of prescriptive analytics. I think it's it's how can we make things happen, right, to give more foresight into what the, um, the management system is telling us to do. So that requires us to do all of these things really well, right, It's to understand what has happened, to understand how to stop those things from happening, and then to be able to prescribe program going forward. I, I, you know, as I look at it, you know, there's a lot of global challenges that are different than they were, you know, a decade ago. Now we're dealing with things, and and this has certainly been a big subject uh, in the UK and the EU for years, of things like climate change. But we're seeing that embraced differently now in North America than we, we ever have. I think at Intellect, we're seeing a lot different regulatory pressures a lot of social and demographic uh, shifts in uh, in organizations. So there's a lot of change that's really, really happening quickly. Uh, what we're really looking to do at NLX is to train uh, our software system to look at all of this data that we have, all this data that's being inputted on a on a de- on a daily basis, and give answers based on what we learn. Right. So believe it or not, you know, and I, I use this example quite often is that you, you see this, you know, for example, my Netflix or my Amazon or my Facebook accounts, when I visit those pages, uh, they're always doing some type of analysis to drive decision-making or buying decisions. You know, I wish that uh, I was was at a place where I thought I needed something only to go to Facebook and find an ad that I must be interested in purchasing that, right? So how did they know that? You know, it's, it's all this idea of, of being able to prescribe what we think is the the best thing for you to do. So I think that's how technology is going to grow for us, is we're going to get better at that. Uh, We're going to get better at linking data together to help the practitioner make better decisions. Um, So, yeah, I, I think it's a bright future for us as we look at that direction.
0: Sounds like you've got plenty of exciting things planned. So my final question for you is for those that have listened intently today and would like to find out more information about intellects, how can they do so? What's the best way to do so, Scott?
2: You know, there's a couple of ways that you could do it. You can go directly to our, our webpage, intellects.com, and that would put you in contact with anyone in the organization that you would like to speak with. Uh, I would also give you a personal invitation. Um, my LinkedIn page, if you just search uh, Scott Gaddis on LinkedIn, I do a lot of of, uh, sideboard discussion with colleagues and and professionals from around the world as we talk about complex subjects, and they're not always technology related, but many of them are, and I'm more than glad to help in in whatever capacity that we can from from a view from intellects.
0: Well, Scott, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. I know it was nearly rise for you with the time difference. We greatly (laughs) appreciate it, and um, thank you so much for your time.
2: Thank you, Mark. So good to be with you today.
0: And that's all we've got time for in this edition of the Health and Safety Matters podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. But as I said throughout this podcast, if you want to see all the latest health and safety news, prosecutions, products and services, you don't have to wait for this podcast. All you need to do is go to our website, which is www.hsmsearch.com. And while you're there, you can look through our back archive or upcoming webinars, which are CBD accredited. You can sign up to receive our magazine in print or digital form for free or receive our twice a week e-news for free. Also I'd like to thank our sponsors once again, the Health and Safety event. This will probably be the last chance I get to talk about it before it happens. So it takes place on the 7th and 9th of September at the NEC in Birmingham. Please do register to come and hopefully you'll enjoy the HSM and knowledge Exchange that we're putting on that I discussed earlier. It's completely free to do so to register to attend. You'll also get a pass to the fire safety event the facility event the security event the national cyber security show and emergency services show and all you need to do to register for free to any of this is go to www.healthandsafetyevents.com as i've said if you've got any further questions you want us to ask on the podcast or guests you'd like to see us bring on please use the hashtag hsm podcast but thanks again for joining us and look forward to seeing you next time on the health and safety matters podcast